Good day to you fine people of God. I'm Pastor Cole McClendon coming to you from Central Assembly of God, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I trust that you will find great value in listening to this message today. My hope is that you're encouraged and strengthened by the word given and that you will return to this site frequently to listen in. Be blessed. Amen. I'm so appreciative of young people that are sold out to the Lord and willing and able to do a work for God, and they did, and God really blessed that work. And He worked on a what will be a missionary home and guest evangelists and stuff going to the island, and they went out in the streets and did ministry there and in churches as well. My message this morning, I didn't get to preach to you all last week. It's actually the same message I was going to preach last week, but you weren't here. So I didn't preach it to you. No, actually, the Holy Spirit just led in a different way. We had an incredibly powerful service like they have been from really the beginning of the year. And we just got really charged up after evangelist uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. was here with us uh, previous week. And uh, just thank God for the move of the Holy Ghost. But you will perhaps recall that from the beginning of the year, I've preached on the necessity of being witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you may have picked up on that if you've been around a little bit. And I, I really, I can't shake the compulsion for us to get busy for the Lord. I think, I was talking with somebody now a couple of weeks ago, and we were just talking about Really, I was talking about him because he's older than I am, significantly older than I am, and he's still pastoring. And, and I said, when are you going to, uh, did you, have you found your replacement? Is somebody in the works? And he said, well, really, Cole, not so much. He said, are you interested? <laughs> I said, no, I, I'm good, I'm good. Um, I, I really feel in the Lord that I'm, I'm good where I'm at, and, and I feel I can, st- I can still be productive. By the way, for those of you who don't know this, I turned 61 this past week. And, yeah, any of you that are, <laughs> yeah, she's finally married to an older man, that's, I got her by about six weeks. So, oh, wait, I just told her age. Sorry about that. She's not ashamed of her age because when you look like she looks, it, it, it's like, wow. <laughs> All of you men listening right now just saw an amazing recovery. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I, in talking with this gentleman, I it's, I feel like I can still be productive, and and I'm I'm looking at seventy years old. But I but I paused and I said, I don't know if it's God's going to give us that long, brother. I just don't know. I, I'm when I've been around a long time, and 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 my my brother, by the way, is visiting us from 
Fort Myers, Florida. Would you stand up, Michael, and let these folks uh, see you? That is my genuine brother, my oldest brother. And uh, he takes after my mom. He looks a whole lot like my mom's family. When I look at him, I see my mom's family. Um, I look a bit more like my father. Um, he, got a, he got all the Italian, I think. Um, and, and so anyway, <laughs> hallelujah, all the Italians say hallelujah. Anyhow, but I was saying to this gentleman that I, I just don't think the Lord's going to give us that much time. And I don't say that like I'm disappointed because, but I want you all to understand, and I'm sorry about this for you young people, but, but the reality is I believe that the Lord is going to rapture his church out of here and we don't have a whole lot of time to do what we need to do. And I've also been forthright in telling you that the way to do ministry effectively is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled up with the Holy Ghost. Um, because if you're operating under his leadership and under his power, then he can manifest and will manifest his gifts in you. So we're going to take a look at a couple of New Testament passages and, and glean what we can from them. And, and I know that they, they will bring a great testimony into your lives and bring glory to the Lord consequently. I want you to hear this passage of Scripture. This was the Apostle Paul, and he said these words in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And you do have the notes you can take along there if you received a bulletin from here on. If you want to take notes, at least for the next several weeks, because my um, other office assistant is in Liberia right now doing ministry, and she usually produces the notes that you can take the notes along and makes it easy for you. So uh, today, it's a little bit harder, but you can do this. I'm confident. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul saying these words, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Think about this for a moment. This is the Apostle Paul. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. I want to be able to say that. I want, to be able, I want you to be able to say that. You say, well, I'm not a pastor, evangelist, preacher, teacher. I'm not any of those things. I'm not a prophet. Still, I would wish for you that you would be able to say, my life is worth nothing. That's saying everything else pales in significance up against what God does through my life. Everything else means nothing. And what is amazing to me is when I, I this is my first main point, so you're taking notes, write this down, Roman numeral one. God chose people. God chose people to do his work. He didn't assign angels 
to do his work. He has angels that he has to do his bidding. But here on earth, God's plan from the beginning was that men and women, I'm saying that generically, I always have trouble with that neuter general. No, see, I did it. <laughs> Gender neutral. Start with the last word first. That helps. It, and so he chose to use his creation. Now, from the moment of creation, it was God's intention to use people. Notice that God put Adam to work immediately. Look at these words from Genesis 2.15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. You see that? That's Genesis 2.15. He put the man in the garden and he put him to work immediately to tend and, and, and watch over it. Tend and watch over it. So he put him to work immediately. And, and, and in case you're wondering, this is before being tossed out of the garden and told we're to earn our way by the sweat of our brow. Now, think about the creativity of Adam without the encumbrances that all of us experience. You know you have encumbrances. Whether you know it or not, you do. Genesis 2.20, this is what he did. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky. Think for a moment. <laughs> all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. Now, what is this saying to you? I want you to consider this because you, you, you're thinking, what do you mean all the encumbrances that all of us experience? He had no parents to please. You young people, this is your opportunity. You can say amen, hallelujah. Bless the Lord. No parents to please. Adam didn't have parents that he had to please. And what he did, what he said, he didn't have a spouse to criticize him yet. I know none of you criticize your spouse. I understand that. But for other churches, those watching online, maybe they have a spouse that on occasion criticizes what they do. And it, it impacts how you think, how you process, what you go through, even when you're trying to please your parents. And I can go in the other direction. Adam had no children. That would criticize what you know. Make it listen, listen. I know some of you spouses. You don't. You think exactly the same, right? Oh, is that just? It's not just my household. Wow. Because you will think that that looks good. Some of you guys. I look. I, I'm going to give you guys a little window into my household. My wife does not like it when I wear these. She does not like it. She just thinks, what are you doing? You know, those are so old. Because I've had them since 1983. Do the math, work your way through it, and now you're really impressed. That's why I still wear them. If you had boots that looked like this 
and they were this old that telling you they're the real thing. And I just, I like the way they look. I just like how I feel when I'm wearing them. And so, but Adam had no spouse to say, hey, dude, you know, don't you think that they are past their prime? Let someone else enjoy them. He didn't, he didn't have that. He didn't have that to deal with. And, and it's the same thing with your children. You, you, have any of you adults ever had your child say to you, what are you, were you thinking when you put that on? <laughs> you know, or, or go on and on. Do we have to eat it that you know, I'm Just as simple as going to a drive-thru for, you know, for an instant meal. I don't eat Wendy's. I don't care that the burgers are fresh. I like the fries at McDonald's, and they have a play place. Which, and so you, Adam had none of those things, none of those encumbrances, no friends, no workmates, no supervisor judging his decisions. Why did you call that a lion? That looks more like a tiger. He had no emotional baggage from his past. Have you ever imagined? Imagine for a moment just that you're, that you're like a six-year-old. You have no emotional baggage from the past. Nothing. Nothing back there haunting you. You wished you had done different. You wished you had said differently. Had no historical context to compare it with. We, we go through things, we go through life, we do things, and you check and you recheck yourself. Every time I cook a meal, I think about all of the ingredients I put into that meal. See, I'm doing it again, Emily. She spoke in the first service, so anyway, every time, every time, not just occasionally, but it, it can be fantastic, and I still walk away saying, well, I'm, you know, I should have tried a little bit of that. Adam had none of those encumbrances, nothing, no historical context, no baggage, nobody criticizing. And so think about how free you are in your mind if you have none of those things. Consider how creative you would be with no fleshly hang-ups. You. Because that's what this all comes back to. Adam is operating from absolute perfection. Do you know that Adam had it better than Jesus? Yeah, because he was born to parents. He had parents. So from the beginning, Adam had it better than Jesus. Uh, you, you remember, of course, that his parents had to return to pick him up in the temple, and they were like two days away. Do you know what you would do? If you were the parents, first of all, if you were the parents, children and youth would have already taken your child home or to somebody else's home. But, you know, what are you going to do if that's your kid? Didn't you know we were leaving? You should have been with us. Jesus, then, then he's a grown man. And his mom comes to him and says, hey, uh, you know, Jesus, they're about to run out of wine here. And you know what to do. So show these guys. Guys, follow him. Whatever he says, do it. Woman, he's, don't you know? 
before my time. I, I'm not, it's not supposed to happen yet. But mom walks right away. She just walks away. Says, Take care of it, boy. Talk to the hand, Jesus. He was frequently criticized for his actions by the religious crowd. This was Jesus. So Adam had it better than Jesus did. Try to imagine what it would be like to have no negative memories. Think about it for a minute. Having no negative memories. Nothing that makes you sad from the past. Consider a perfect thought life. Really? Isn't it almost unimaginable? It's pretty much unimaginable for us. A perfect thought life. An always smile. A real genuine in your soul joy. Never erased. Nothing that could disturb it. I mean, he didn't even have to put up with mosquitoes. Adam has had no disappointments. And so what God does is he chose people. And you are his people. And he chose to gift people. Look at these, this passage from Ephesians 4, verses 8, and then I skip down to verse 11. I have it for you here. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Now, I'd love to go further into this verse, but I, I'm going to focus on what you need to hear today and it applies to the, why I say or call this section gift people. He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. That's saying Jesus now is speaking and he's talking about what he would do when he sent Holy Spirit. He would gift people and they would not just receive gifts they would be gifts verse 11 tells you about some of those gifts and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers the word used here for these people is the same word used for gifts. Paul is literally doing what we are supposed to do once we are spirit-filled. And when he writes this letter to the church in Ephesus, he, he, he's literally doing what we're supposed to do when we're spirit-filled. What, what do I mean? Paul is actually quoting that first part that he led captivities, ca or, yeah, captivity captive. He, he says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. That's quoting Psalm 68, verse 18. 
Paul is quoting Psalm 68, verse 18, a prophetic word regarding born-again believers and those who are spirit-filled. Because we are told in the Bible that one of the specific purposes in being spirit-filled is that we will know what to say when it's necessary. Here it is, Matthew 10, verse 19. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. That's a work of Holy Spirit when he moves into your life. And, and you, but by the way, you need to be planting some seed in your life. The word has to be there before he can draw it out. If you're not, if you are not exposing yourself to the word, there's going to be nothing he has to draw on in your being. You need to be getting the word of God in you frequently. That's what he means by this passage. And so what it, this means is that once he, that is Jesus, ascended into heaven, um, he would send Holy Spirit as a gift to us. So he, Holy Spirit, is a gift to us, and, and with the descent of Holy Spirit and him dwelling in us, we may be called or set apart as a gift to the church. So look at your neighbor right now and say, you're a gift to me. Now, some of you can say that, and you're all grateful, and it feels good, and you, be, you actually mean it. But the reality is, God gave gifts to his people. It, it, it's, listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. He decides. It was a God decision. Are you hearing me when I say this? It was a God decision to gift you. It was God's intent. It was God's plan. That's why I titled the message entirely to the Lord, and I took you first to Adam. Because God created Adam and he intended to work through mankind. And so that descends to you. He intends for you to be a gift to your neighbor. Especially your neighbors that know Jesus. He intends for you to be gifted, to be empowered. He gives you power so that you can do things that you otherwise can't do. Really... <clears throat> There are now, there are actually two people here today who know this about me, but if you knew how shy I was as a teenager, you would find it impossible to believe that I could be doing what I do today. You would find it impossible. I'm not kidding you when I tell you this. I didn't ask a girl out on a date till I was a senior in high school. I always ask through someone else. That's my friend. Would you mind going? Yeah, just absolutely shy, really shy. And uh, yeah, I think you can see that God has changed my life. 
The people that serve in these roles are gifts to the church, but that's the power of Holy Spirit working through them. These roles, what are we talking about? Prophet, apostle, evangelist, pastor, teacher. They're gifts to the church. The Holy Spirit anoints men and women to fill these positions according to his plan. Notice what the word says in the King James. It says, he gave some to be. Everybody's not going to be a preacher. Everybody's not going to be a prophet or an apostle. But therefore, some are set apart to fulfill these roles with a special and specific anointing. Look at Matthew 7 11 now. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? He does that. He gives good gifts. What am I telling you? I'm telling you this. When God does it, it's good. When God does it, it's good. When he's in charge of it, it's good. It's going to work good one way or the other because that's the nature of God. In fact, everything God does, it's done with intent. Do you ever, do you ever I don't know, do something or you win a prize or you do something like that and it's just random? Any of you ever have that happen to you? Think for a minute. You just win a prize and it's random. I was at an archery shoot when I was a kid, and at this archery shoot, um, you know, and I was only maybe 13, 14, and, and archery, shooting a bow and arrow, just get all of you on the page, and, and, and so we were at this shoot, I had my brothers and, and my stepdad, who's the one who taught us how to shoot a bow and arrow, and, and we're all standing in this one line, and it was starting to rain, this is Florida, for those of you who don't born and raised in Florida. Anyway, um, so we're all standing in this line, and what they're going to do is out at about 35 or 30 yards, I'll say it's 30 yards, which puts me to the windows on the outside of the church, basically, from the, they had a running deer target. So it was actually on a roller, and it was running across. And I, listen, I'm there with 40-year-olds, I mean, I'm not talking like I am now. Now I, I could hit the thing and it would be intentional and it would, you know, all of that. But so there's like 70 people lined up in a row while that thing goes across and we're all flinging arrows at it, right? Well, when the thing stops, they come and they find it's my arrow hits dead on. Mine, the little 13-year-old boy. And because it was going, starting to rain, they gave me like four prizes because it was over. You know, they, it was starting to rain, and they're like, here, you get all of these. And I'm like, yes. And I'd love to say to you, I was so good. I outdid all of those 50, 40-year-old people been shooting a bow and arrow. For, I mean, my stepdad was standing beside me, and he'd been, he'd been shooting one for many, many years, and he's the one that trained me, taught me. But I know it was only the Holy Ghost guiding that arrow at that point. That's the only way that happened. It was random. God doesn't operate that way, though. Everything God does, he does with intent. 
So he created mankind and put them here on this earth with a purpose. And then he sent, Jesus himself said these words, it's expedient that I go away. I must leave because the comforter, he is going to come. And he said, I will send him. It's the promise of the Father, but I'm, I'm the sending agent here. I'm going to send him because he's going to do what I do for you disciples. He's going to be with all of you. You ought to say hallelujah because he's with you. And his intention is to gift you so that you are then capable of doing work that he wants done his way. He gives good gifts. Let's talk about this spirit-filled perfection. Gifts given always increase capacity. Write that down. Gifts given always increase capacity. Gifts add to a person's life, even in the natural, right? I, it was my birthday last week. I've gotten some gifts. I got one. Somebody gave me one this morning. No, I got two gifts this morning. That, that, I, and those are things that prior to th this morning, I did not have. It increased my capacity. Three gifts. Hallelujah. Thank you for multiplication, Lord. <laughs> gifts add to a person's life they have something they did not have before and you know when you give gifts you hope that um, they are cherished don't you you parents you go and you're picking out gifts and you hope they're cherished but you've given gifts before that your kids are like yeah thanks mom I really wanted a sweater. I was thinking about it all year long. That was just what I, oh, I really needed those socks. Those are going to impress my friends. You hope that they're cherished or at least appreciated, but God, when he gives gifts, they're always good and they increase your capacity they multiply. When God does something, he gives you stuff, and it multiplies exponentially. Yeah, what do I mean by that? I mean, God, he, he sends his gifts. What if you, you are used by God, and God uses you to heal somebody? Now, that person is healed. Who are you? Do you think they're going to keep it to themselves? If they receive a miraculous healing, no, they're going to go tell their neighbor, they're going to tell their friends, and they're going to tell the skeptics, I want you to know, yesterday my arm was broke. Today, I'm all good. God healed me. That's going to have impact. It multiplies exponentially. So they tell an uncle that's an alcoholic. God did this miracle, and the uncle has heard about Jesus at one time or other, but now he knows he's real because he saw the broken arm yesterday. And so he's coming to church, he gets saved, he gets transformed, and now everyone in his family is impacted by what God did in his life because he's born again, living for Jesus, and delivered from alcoholism. That's what God does in life. If we'll yield, if we'll give him the opportunity, God does these 
amazing things in our life. And that's what the gifts are supposed to do. Not just so we can say, aren't I good? It's the nature of God coming down to men. Salt brings flavor, doesn't it? Right? Come on, you Puerto Ricans. Y'all know. Adobo. It's like 90% salt. A little bit of garlic in there. Yeah, go ahead. Sazon. Mm. Glory to God. It adds flavor. And, and that's what we do when we're filled with the Holy Ghost and gifted by God. We bring flavor into other lives. Light brings clarity. You light a small candle in a dark room, and now it's no longer dark. You don't call it dark. Just a little light. And that's what he wants us to be and do. Salt and light changes the essential dynamics of the situation. The food doesn't taste bland. Even the lousiest food, you know, squash. Some of you don't like squash, you know. Put a little salt on it. Get some sazon. Really jazz it up a bit. Maybe if you're living on the edge, put some chilies in it. Bring that thing to life. And what I'm, why am I saying all of this? Because this is what God does with you in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by God to do a work for the Lord. It's only through these gifts that we will ever get to experience the greater things Jesus said we do. Do you know there are people called by God doing greater works than Jesus did when he was on earth? Seriously, seriously. Do you know there's a church building, that a building, a single building over a mile long? Think for a moment what that's like. Have you ever jogged a mile? <laughs> I really want you to raise your hands on this, but I'll not do that to you. But if you've jogged a mile, you know that's a that's a big building. That's bigger than these warehouses we have all over the valley. He has a church. A pastor has a church bigger than those buildings. A church building. See, God's doing greater things. And by the way, that pastor's also raised someone from the dead a time or two. The perfection that Jesus walked out on earth is manifested in the body of Christ through the gifts. Take a picture, write it down, but that's how it happens. It's through the distribution of all the gifts among the body of Christ that we can achieve the level of perfection Jesus exhibited. Jesus walked in perfection on earth. Really, he walked in perfection. He was always perfect all of the time. We can have that as a body of believers in God. What he does is he fits us all together. And we all play our part that God's asked us to play. And we do our part well. And what God does is that he touches someone's life, fills them with his spirit. And you got people like Pastor Mackay that can excuse me, sing and play instruments. Uh, Robert, 
these others with amazing voices. God gifts, gifts our worship team with these wonderful voices. And, and they are gifts of God to the church. But then we have someone that's like Wavina, who's a teacher and, and an extraordinary teacher. And John Lusk has been wandering around here this morning and amazing teachers. And there are others here in the church and they, they're gifted by God. But then you have someone that's like Stephen McFarland. He could teach on occasion, but I'd rather have him in security. He's a good teacher. And the one thing you don't want him to have to teach you is if you're out of line and you need security. I can get you prepared to heaven. He can make it happen quicker. <laughs> On a, upon command. So we need these, all of these various gifts. And we have ladies that are around here when we have the altar time. And you, you know, everything. It all fits together to bring the perfection that only comes in Jesus Christ. You have these young people that went to Puerto Rico, energetic. They painted a house, cleaned it up, got it good in a week. Glory to God. And just a handful of them. But they have a whole lot of energy. All of you adults say hallelujah. God does that with the body. The full value of these gifts will be recognized in the operation of the body of Christ or the church. And I'm going to say it this way. We never look more like Christ than we do when we flow together in the anointing doing the work of ministry. And I wish I'd have printed that one for you, but you're just going to have to remember it. Or you can go back because we archive our messages and you can, you can see it again next, this week if you wish. Let me bring you to a conclusion. I call it equipped. Ephesians 4.12. Now remember, I, I, I've already read to you Ephesians 4.11 and he gave gifts. And he called those gifts apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers. All right? This is verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's why I told you a little while ago to look at your neighbor and say, you're a gift to me. He gives gifts to build up people. What was the purpose of Pentecost rendering this abundance of gifts? It was to equip the church to do the work of God in the world. God wants us to succeed in the task he's asked us to do. He has sent these gifts to his people so that they may be successful. I'm talking about people now. He sent these gift people among people so that they may build up the people. And again, when God does this, he multiplies us exponentially. That's what God does. He multiplies us exponentially. Hallelujah. Our task is to expose the world to Jesus, to his love and his work on the cross. That's what our task is. The role of these gift people 
is to equip others to recognize the gifts among, here it is, I'll give it to, because this one's a long one. He, his, the role of these gift people is to equip others to recognize the gifts among or on God's people and instruct them on how to best utilize them to bring the gospel to the world. That's why you're a gift. So it's my job as a pastor, as a preacher, even as a teacher, and on occasion may flow in the prophetic. And I do the work of an evangelist quite frequently. My role is to raise you up so you reach people with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's my role. That's my job. That's what we're here for. And when we all get together under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and we begin to flow the way he intends for us to flow, we can change the world around us. So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have a role to fill in raising up others for ministry. And these, these gifts, men and women, are here to help you recognize your gifts. And hear me when I say this, with the singular purpose of presenting Christ to the world and helping others grow as disciples. That's the whole reason for the existence of the church. I'm not talking about a building now. I'm talking about you. And the question is, will you sell out to the work of the ministry? So I bring you all the way back around to where I started in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Here it is again. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for, the, for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. So we're right where we started. Are you willing to step into this position to, to set aside everything else, take up your cross, follow Jesus? Are you willing to do that? Clearly all the early followers of Christ realize the level of sacrifice necessary to do this. Do you? Would you stand to your feet, please? I wonder if you'd just bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. Anyone that is here and perhaps you're unsure of your position with Christ, anyone that is here and perhaps you know that if Jesus were to rapture his church today, you're not ready. You're not sure he'd take you. If you are here and you once walked with the Lord, but now you're not walking with the Lord properly, and you're unsure what he would do if he raptured you out of here or the church out of here, if you'd go with him. Maybe you're here and you know that you're not ready. Maybe you're here and you know that things aren't right for you. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you want to change that, if you want to check yourself, if you want to make sure things are right with you and God, lift your hand right where you are. God bless you. 
Come on, somebody else. Lift your hand right where you're at. Say, I, I got to get things right with God. I don't want to leave this place with a question mark where there should be an exclamation point. Thank you, wife. I see one hand. Is there anybody else? Lift it up high. Maybe wave at me. Say, I want to make sure. God bless you. You can put your hand down now. Listen, here's what I'm going to do. That part's easy when all of us are head bowed and eyes closed, but I wonder if you're willing to make a bold step and get out of the pew and say, uh, I really mean business. And you want to give the devil a beat down and say, you no longer have control of my life. If you raised your hand and you mean business with God, would you come? Would you come down to the altar today? Come on, would you do that? Be bold enough, be strong enough to say, I'm, I'm going to give the devil a black eye. I want to confirm that I really do mean business with the Lord. Come on. We're cheering for you. All of us that have, I've done it. Come on, as Pastor Mackay sings, would you come? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Hallelujah. We got room for others, obviously. Listen, I'm going to help you pray a prayer. It's a simple prayer. And if you say it, mean it from your heart. I know God's listening to you and he will uh, take care of this. Pray this with me, Lord Jesus. I know I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, because you died for me. But you did not stay in the grave. You rose out of the grave and you proved your power over death. And now, because I receive you, I am your child, Lord, forever. You've taken my sin from me and now I am yours. Amen. Now say this with me. I'm saved. Come on, say it. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Heaven is my eternal home. Amen. Amen. You can take Praise the Lord. Now listen to, as, as they deal with, we're just going to help her know what next steps are. You know, you need to know what to do after you get, find Christ as your Savior and your Lord. But here's the thing. If I preach a message like this and we just walk away, my concern is, who's here that maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit? You've never been baptized in Holy Spirit. And if you've not ever 
received the Holy Spirit or if you've not ever spoken tongues, then I know you've not been filled with Holy Spirit. I want you walking out of here empowered and capable of more than ever before in your life as you walk with the Lord. So here's what I'm going to do. If you love Jesus, but you know that he has more for you and you want to do more for him, and first I'm going to say it this way, and you've never been baptized in Holy Spirit, but you want to be, I want you to come right over here to this side. Just, just leave your pew. Come right over here to this side. Why delay this? You say, I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Give room for people. Step out of the way. Come on. Say, I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to do more for the Lord, for the kingdom of God. You don't want to stay stuck. Well, I've been up there before, preacher. Ask God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. It didn't happen. Come again. Do it again. Don't give up after one or two tries. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, Come on, Isaiah. right over there, buddy. And God's no respecter of persons. That includes age. So a nine-year-old can receive the Holy Ghost just as good as you 55-year-olds. Sometimes easier for the little ones because they're not hung up. All those things I talked about, all those things that area, all these adults are worried about. What are they going to think of me? Think I'm a weirdo coming up here. I want to speak in a language I never spoke before and I'm going to sound funky. Now listen, I don't want y'all leaving these guys up here alone by themselves. How many of you are here today and you'd say, I want more in God. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, but I know he's got more for me. And I want to be used by him in more places at more times. You come over here to this side. Just get out of that pew. Don't stay there. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe God for you. You don't have to be young. You don't have to be old. You can just come. If you want to be uh, used by the Lord for more in your life, I got a bunch of Holy Ghost-filled people that we're going to believe God with you and trust God to minister into your life. Hallelujah. Rebecca, how about you do this? How about you give Jafet something that he can play right now so that Pastor Mackay can come pray over some of these people, especially these young people? Well, let Robert do it. You can handle that, Robert? Yes, sir. (laughs) Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray for these three. Uh, so, y'all, would y'all all move that way a little bit? That way I know everybody else that's here is for, y'all just want more. Thank God for the people that want more in the Lord. And so, Pastor Amy, Emily, Nick, y'all come on down here. Hallelujah. Pastor Mackay, every one of these young people are going to be, you're going to lay your hands on them. Hallelujah. And uh, Vanessa, you and Mario, y'all go along, help her out. So what are you praying? You're praying for more. Fill me up. Listen, Acts 4.32, after they had just left, 
they, they assembled together and they prayed. And Peter is among them. And, and it's recording his words. And he prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is Acts 4. You know he was filled in Acts 2. So if this is Acts 4 for you, it's okay. God, fill me up to overflowing. I want more in you. I want more in you. So y'all just start praying for these guys right here. I'm going to go over and pray for these ones to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And uh, y'all help them out. Now listen, you're not, well, yeah, you may fall. So it, it's going to happen. Rich, you come over here and help be with Nick and Emily. Mario's got them covered over there. Nate, you may want to help them out a little bit too. What are you, the rest of you guys going to do? You're going to pray that God fills you and them with the Holy Spirit. You pray. You pray for your being. You pray that God fills you up to overflowing. I hope you've enjoyed today's message and that it has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening in. If you have met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please connect with us either at our website, www.centralfamily.net, or perhaps give us a call at 610-865-0577. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if this has been that kind of a blessing to you, would you consider blessing us with a financial gift to make it possible for us to continue to do what we're doing here and taking the gospel not only to the Lehigh Valley but around the world. We want to do our part in reaching the people that God has entrusted to us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can help us with your financial gift or sowing a seed to this ministry. God bless you. Have an amazing day. Remember, you can reach us and give through www.centralfamily.net.